In Acts chapter 2, we find the day of Pentecost. It was the Holy Spirit's, if you will, inauguration of the church. It was the, it was the day that the New Testament church was launched with spirit power. I, I, I have been in some really powerful services and you know this morning likewise just the presence of the Lord just so precious but I wonder what it was like on the day of Pentecost where the, that initial outpouring to hear the wind you know I, I've heard and some of you are going to think I'm crazy if you don't already think I'm crazy but um, I remember as a, as a teenager I remember hearing that wind blow in one of my prayer times, I, I've physically heard to the degree that I actually went and checked all the windows and the doors to make sure that nothing was happening. <clears throat> and it was just a measure. I can't imagine, <clears throat> I can't imagine what it was like. But here we have the launch of the church, the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2. And you go through Acts 2 and you get to the end of Acts 2 in, in verse 42 of Acts 2 it says and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers and fear came upon every soul many wonders and signs were done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily, everybody say daily. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's, that's the backdrop of what I want to preach this morning. It's not where I'm going, but it gives you a backdrop of where I'm headed, for where I'm headed. In, in Acts 2, we find this outpouring of the Holy Spirit where believers, Peter, who was hiding out, swearing that he didn't even know who Jesus was, is now standing up on the day of Pentecost preaching to the multitudes that had gathered, wondering if the church people were drunk. And he stands up and he preaches to them. It's, hey, listen, guys, this is early morning hours. They're not drunk. This is, this is that which was prophesied. This, this was foretold. You shouldn't have been caught off guard. This was told this was coming. We knew this was going to happen. And I want to say to you, church, we knew this was going to happen. Fill in the gap. You shouldn't be surprised by the day in which we live and all the things that are going on around us. We knew this was going to happen. That's what Peter said. We knew it. And this is that. 3,000 were added to the church. Signs and wonders were happening. We don't know what signs and wonders were happening. We know that there was many more that was, than what was recorded in, by Luke and Acts. It says many signs. Before Acts 3 ever happened, many signs and wonders were happening. We just happened to catch Acts 3. Luke a describes one of those miracles to us. 
Acts 3 is where I'm headed. But, but I want to give you this backdrop that the, the body of Christ was full. Everybody say full. full. It was full of spirit power. Jesus said, you will receive power. Uh, we can do better. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. They were full of power and they were full of gospel community. The community was no longer based on their past or their identities of who they used to be what they used to do. And nobody looked at Peter and said, Peter, you were, you were that cursing, swearing man who, who denied he even knew Jesus. Nobody, nobody looked around the table and said, well, you ran and you ran and you ran and you ran. Well, John didn't say, you left me with mama. You, you know, nobody was looking around the table pointing fingers. Now all of a sudden there was unity in the family. <laughs> So there was a community that was centered around the gospel. The Holy Spirit brought power. He brought unity. He brought community. That's the backdrop for Acts chapter 3. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time. Come on, tell the other person, say, it's time. Uh, We don't have time to mess around any longer. We don't have time to mess around any longer. We don't have time to play church games. We don't have time to wait for the pastor to do it. We don't have time. It's time for an awakening. It's time for the miracle working power of God to be put on display. Say, my Jesus still saves. He still heals. He still delivers. He still baptizes in the Holy Ghost. And he's still coming back. Hallelujah. It's time. Somebody's got to open up their mouth and say, it's time. I'm not settling any longer for the status quo. I'm not settling for what was. It's time for revival and an awakening in our country. In Acts 3, Peter and John said it was time. Enough is enough. (laughs) They were on their way. Bible says in Acts 3 chapter 1, they were on their way, Peter and John, to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They were on their way to pray. And while they were on their way to pray, they had seen miracles. There was fear upon the people. People knew something was happening. They didn't know exactly maybe what all was actually really happening, but they knew something was happening. Things look different. Church didn't look different. You know, right now, this is a season where we, the Christians didn't have a separate church. They weren't even known as Christians at this point. They were still known, and they didn't have a name. They eventually became known as the Way, and eventually the title of Christian. So the Christian title came maybe 50 or so years after Acts chapter 3 were here. They were still going to the temple, the Jewish temple, to pray. Things looked a little bit different. They weren't quite so liturgical these days. The apostles kept messing things up. They'd come in for church and do their religious thing and and would walk a lame man jumping and dancing and shouting and praising God. Mess up church, right? We've been there. We've seen that. (laughs) 
So they were on their way and a man from his mother's womb. I don't have time to stop and talk about society uh, in great detail here. Uh, but, but I just want to highlight something here. Can, can you say with me, mother's womb? He had an infirmity from his mother's womb. Mama knew he had an infirmity. But she didn't get rid of him. Oh, come on now. You didn't hear what I said. You, 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 may, you may have missed that. So, so from his mother's womb, she didn't say, I got to go see a doctor and take care of you. You're a nuisance to me. You're, you're never going to be good enough. You're always going to have a problem. You're always, no, 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 no. Jesus had a plan for the baby who had a lame issue from his mother's womb. That's all I got to say about that. And they carried him daily and put him at the temple gate. What is wrong with this picture? He's at the temple and can't get healed. He's at the gate called Beautiful. This gate, it was 50 feet tall, 40 feet wide, and covered with gold and brass. The best quality materials you could find. He's laying at a gate of gold and has no money. He's broken. His body's right. He has got no friends. They bring him to the gate and they leave him. He's at the church and can't get help. And as they're carrying him in, Ah. <laughs> Tell somebody it's time. There's, there's, there, there, there's, a, there's a crossroads here. There's a, there's a divine intersection here that's happening. You see, if you read this in the English, it doesn't translate well. It says that they laid daily at the gate at the temple. What it really means is that while they were carrying him in and laid him at the gate, there was, there was activity happening. This lame man was being brought in as Peter and John were on their way into the temple for prayer. This man knew that it was the three o'clock prayer hour and he had got his friends together. Somebody got him together and brought him to the, to the gate because they knew at three o'clock all the religious people were going to church. And they'd have pity on him. Because part of the Jewish culture, one of the, one of the key tenets of the Jewish faith, and we see it in, in our faith, is, is this act of charity to take care of those who are in need. And they knew, this, this man knew that if he was at the gate at 3 o'clock, all the Pharisees would be going through the gate. And they liked going through this gate because it was the beautiful gate. It was the gate that everybody wanted to walk through because it was so beautiful. And they were going to strut their religious stuff through the gate and hand the man some money. Can you help me? There's right. I need a help hand right there. Thank you. He was sitting there begging for alms. He was begging for some money. And he knew that the religious leaders would be coming through the gate. Jesus addressed this in Matthew. He said, oh, don't, don't give alms to show off and let everybody know what you're doing. Do it in secret so that your father might reward you in heaven. 
<clears throat> but they were, they were strutting their stuff. And here comes Peter and John, a divine intersection. This man's being laid at the gate. And Peter and John are right there to welcome him. Tell somebody next to you, it's time. You might be going about your normal business. You might be going about your normal routine, going to the church, going to the grocery store, going somewhere. But God has intersected your life with someone who looks like they're begging for money, but there's a spiritual need. They look like they're lacking on the outside, but there's something deeper on the inside. You may not figure it all out of what's going on on the outside, but Jesus wants to transform them from the inside out. There was a need. There was an issue that needed to be met. And it go deeper be, beyond the alms. They laid him daily at the gate called Beautiful to ask for alms as people entered the temple. In verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John. I want you to catch this. Peter saw him, but he didn't just see him. He fixed his eyes on him. There was an expectation rising up in Peter's heart. He saw something beyond the natural. He saw something beyond just that this man wanted money. We live in a day and an age where you got to look beyond. You can't just judge the outside cover. Peter, Peter and John weren't just sitting there. Well, if he would, if somebody would just help him get up and do something, somebody. Where, where's his kids? His kids ought to take care of him. Where's his family? They ought to take care of him. Well, somebody needs the government needs to fix this problem. Where's Where's the Roman Empire? Let them deal with this. No, they didn't send. No, 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 no. They 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 stood there. And saw an opportunity for the gospel. They saw an opportunity for the power of the gospel that was resident on the inside of them. The man didn't need another coin in the coffer. He needed power over his paralysis. He needed somebody who could say to his disease, be healed in Jesus' name. It wasn't until he was healed that he could get up and go about normal life. This man had laid there day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. Couldn't work, couldn't supply for his family, couldn't supply for his own needs. And here comes, yeah, say it's time, Peter and John. Intersection. And Peter fixed his eyes on him, said, I've got something for this man. This isn't just another day. This is not just another day to do Christianity as you've been taught to do Christianity. This isn't just another day to just come sit in a church or tune in online, check your box, and go about normal life. Revival, awakening. Oh, yeah, we pray. We ask God for that, and we desire that. But it is messy, and it requires your activity. It requires that what's resident on the inside of you come out. There is resurrection power flowing on the inside of you. 
I said there's resurrection power flowing on the inside of you. That's not just a cute church statement. It's not just a verse in the Bible or a song that we sing and just to make ourselves feel good. There is resurrection life. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you. When's the last time that you spoke over someone who was ill or sick and said, get up and walk in the name of Jesus? When was the last time you spoke to someone who was sick in their soul and needed the life and hope of Christ? We want revival. Revival starts by you opening your mouth and laying hands on the sick and watching them recover. It starts with you opening your mouth and sharing the love of Jesus. That's where it starts. Sometimes it starts with just a simple hug. Look at us, Peter said. <laughs> he, he looked, he looked, and he looked, he wanted, he looked expecting something though. You know, expectation is a great place to be. Jesus will take your expectation for money. He'll take your expectation for something in the natural. Someone who doesn't know Christ, someone who's in a, he'll take this, just the little bit that you give. There is an expectation in his heart for something. Oh, it may have been for money, but that expectation opened the door for a miracle. He couldn't change his physical posture, but there was a change in his soul. He couldn't, he couldn't get up at that point. He couldn't get up and walk. He couldn't do it. He, but there was a change in that moment. So much so that Luke, the doctor, notes it in Acts. It says he looked at them with expectation. He may have started off in the mully grubs. Anybody seen anybody like that before? You might be sitting next to one of them. You might be sitting in your living room next to somebody who looks like they're down in the dumps. <laughs> Somebody's licked the red off their lollipop. But there was a change in this man's status in that moment. He went from alms and he looked at them with expectation. You see, God's called you to deal with the works of the devil. He's called you, he's empowered you to preach the message of the gospel and to go about doing good to all those who are oppressed by the devil. I don't know if you've noticed this, but we live in a world that is full of depression, anxiety, worry, fear, and the works of the devil are rampant. And we sit in our buildings and in our homes with the answer. And not only do we have the answer, we have the power and the authority to back up what we preach. I don't just preach a message about miracles. I don't just preach a message about salvation. I don't just tell a good story. It's backed up with the reality. I don't just read about signs and wonders and, and the Holy Spirit and the blessing of the Lord and say, oh, that's good stuff and it's just a good story. No, it is the reality and it's operating in my life.
He needed power to flow into his life, this lame man. I think for so long we've dealt with symptoms. We deal with symptoms. We deal with what we can see, with what's tangible. You go to the doctor, and what do they want to know? What are your symptoms? What's the purpose, Melissa? I won't, I won't make you answer this in front of everybody. But if, but if you go to the doctor and they ask you what your symptoms are, what are they really trying to get to? The real sickness. They're trying to understand the sickness. Trying to take off layer by layer until they get to the... Why? Because if all you do is treat symptoms, the sickness is still there. If all we do is treat symptoms, go around and give our, uh, you're all going to have to forgive me now. I've just stepped into something. If all we do is, is go around and just give our friends who are people of color a hug and say, I love you. and Thank God for the hug. But you're dealing with the symptom and not the root cause. Can I tell you the root cause of what's happening in our country? It's called sin. It's called hatred. It's called fear. And the root of it is sin. The only thing, the only thing that will solve America's race issue. Now, I've just opened the can of worms. Y'all are going to have to love me regardless. The, the only thing that will solve this is the love of Jesus Christ. The message of Jesus. It's the only thing. It's time. It's time. It's time. If there ever was time, it's time. To say, I am not going to go into that temple door until I see your problem met. I'm not going to walk into another church service. I'm not going to walk into another worship gathering. I'm not going to walk into another prayer meeting. I'm not going to walk in to another meeting until I see a miracle and I have a testimony to go with me. I think that would change how we do church. I think if every single person said, I'm not going into the church building unless I have a testimony that's leaping and dancing and praising the Lord with me, it might change what church looks like. It's time. My God, it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. <laughs> Woo. He says, Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. Sorry. I can't put another coin in your coffer. I don't have it. But <laughs> I've received something. I've got some, I, I'm, in, I, I'm in possession of something. I've, I've got an experience. I have a savior. I have some power, resurrection power, resident on the inside of me. Yeah. I, I've got something better than money. Money's good, but, but I've got something better than that. He couldn't say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, if he didn't have something to give. 
Remember Simon the sorcerer? He loved the power of God, tried to buy the power of God. He didn't have anything to give. He watched the apostles lay hands on people, and he watched as people received the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues, and signs and wonders happened when they laid hands on people, and he wanted, oh, I want that. Tell me how much it costs. I'll pay you for it. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. We'll sit back and we'll watch. Oh, I, I like how they operate in the anointing. Oh, pastor, he, he flows in the anointing. I'll sit back and watch. I want to watch how he lays hands on people. I want to watch. And listen, there's nothing wrong with watching to learn. But, but to watch to say that's their job, they do it well, or that person does it well. Uh, Linda, she's, she's a worshiper. I'll let Linda worship for me because, man, she, she knows how to worship. Or I, I need Cindy to pray for me because I know Cindy knows how to pray. So I'll, I'll go call up Cindy and Cindy can pray for me. You have received an anointing from the Holy One. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you, for He has anointed you. You have an anointing. The power of God is resident on the inside of you. If you have received something, you have something to give. I don't, Peter said, I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. Uh, it makes me think about, think, <laughs> it's time. It's time, my God, it's time for you to release the anointing. It's time for you to release what's on the inside of you. It's time for you to, mm, it's time for you to release the anointing, the power of God. That's you have a word, you have a worship, you have power. Release what's on the inside of you. Makes me think about Jesus and the woman with the issue of blood, she got a hold of something that she got something. When people grab a hold of you, do they get something? Have you received? Jesus said in Matthew 10, freely you have received, freely give. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, heal the lepers. Do it. Go for it. Preach the message of the kingdom. Paul said to the Romans, and Romans, I believe it's Romans 12, he said, I have preached the message of the gospel fully with signs and wonders. He preached the gospel, and signs and wonders were a part of it. Freely you've received, freely give. It's time. Do you hear the clock ticking? Do you hear the clock ticking? It's time. We don't have much of it left. There's going to come a day and you're going to wake up and you're going to look at yourself in the mirror. You're going to say, what have I done with my life that God has given to me? Have I been okay just living the status quo? Have I been okay just doing enough to get by? 
Or have I experienced the God of the Bible? Have I seen him in my life? Have I witnessed him in my life? Have I shared him with others? Oh my God. I don't want to get to the end of my life and stare myself in the mirror and say I had the word of promise and the word of life and the power of the gospel all resident within me and I did nothing with it. I don't want to find myself like Jesus with the parable of the talents saying I did nothing master with what you gave me. I want to be a good steward. There's something resident on the inside of me and I have to be a good steward of what God's given to me. And by being a good steward, it means I've got to give it away. I've received power to give power. I've received resources to give resources. I've received the word to give word. It is the principle of the scripture that goes all the way back to Genesis that seed time and harvest will not end. There is reaping and there is sowing. There's receiving and there's giving. And it's time, if there ever was a time, to be about giving the word and the power of the gospel. I'm not telling you that your giving is going to look like my giving. My giving is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. So my giving looks a lot like teaching and preaching and pastoral care and laying hands and blessing our folks in the church. Doesn't mean that I don't do it out there, but, but a large part of what I do, I find ministering to you. Equipping you. And then it's your responsibility then to take what you've received and go give it. Go sow and watch how it increases. One of my greatest joys, I love laying hands on people. Do you know how hard it is to not lay hands on people in the middle of COVID? I'm, I'm, real, I'm, 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 just, I'm just really tempted to say, forget it, <laughs> you know? We're just, we're just gonna lay hands on the pews or do something. I mean, yeah, I love it. I, lo- I don't lay hands on you for you, I lay hands on you for me. <laughs> I do. I do lay hands on you for you. But, but I enjoy it. He, he who's, who waters is himself watered. My goodness. It's fun. It's fun watching the sick be healed. I love seeing people with pain get healed. I love, I mean, that, that night, I, I'm scanning the crowd just thinking of stories quickly, but I, the night that Derek was healed on the live stream, I love those kinds of, where you, I'm absolutely clueless. Jesus is doing what he does. And he says, there's someone on here that's suffered trauma to their neck. And when you speak that, and the neck pops into place and no pain ever since, there's something, that's fun. It's time to give away. He says, I, I, I'll give you what I got. 
I don't have any money. But what I do have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> we sang it earlier. His name. There's just something about that name. <laughs> Master. Savior. Listen. Every atom of your being knows the name Jesus. Every fiber of every muscle knows the name Jesus. Every, every atom in the air, every particle, every nuclear, they all know the name Jesus. And so when you start talking about the name Jesus, those atoms get excited. Those fibers get excited. Those particles get excited. Why? Because they know their creator. They know the one who spoke life into their being, life into their existence. They know the one who breathed pneuma ruash, life into them. When you start talking about the name Jesus, creation pays attention. Creation pays attention. I... I I'm, I'm going to tell you another story. You might really think I'm crazy now. I was, out, I was out in the middle. I was in a retreat. I was out in the middle of the woods with a friend of mine on this retreat. We were just out walking. And somewhere along the way, we got this crazy idea just to worship God and creation. It was in pitch black. We couldn't even see. You know, it was just dark, dark. And so we just... Well, I didn't because I'm not a singer, but he's a singer, so he started singing. <laughs> What's the song? God of all creation. God of wonders. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He started singing that. And it, I kid you not, creation responded. It literally, we watched, and you're going to think I'm silly, but fireflies started lighting up. And they were singing in rhythm. They were, they were singing in rhythm. They really were. They were flashing. They were flashing in rhythm as he sang. They were flashing in rhythm with the song. We looked at each other and said, are you seeing what I'm seeing? I said, keep singing. The fireflies are singing with us. Creation gets excited when you start talking about Jesus. You just try it. Go out on your go out on your porch. Go out and just sing the name Jesus. Watch as the robins and the sparrows start singing with you. They'll listen. The squirrels will tune in too. Men, before you shoot that deer, sing the name Jesus. You'll watch that deer gallop like a gazelle across the woods as he praises the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, creation will sing. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's authority in the name of Jesus. At that name, at that name, <laughs> Jesus told us, whatever you ask in my name. Peter didn't say, uh, according to my power, get up and walk. Or because I've said it, you're going to have... No, no. He said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Get up and walk. 
in the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. Tell somebody next to you, say, it's time. It's time for the world to see Jesus. <laughs> I said it's time for the world to see Jesus. They don't need any more fakes or phonies. They need to see Jesus. They need to see the power of the gospel, the power of his name. But that name. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. It's time. It's time. He's calling you. He's, he's calling out your name. He's calling out to you. It's time. It's time. You know, how you... How you reach out is going to look different. Everybody in this room has a different calling, different manifestation of the gift and the power of God resident on the inside of you. Some of you can stand on the street corner and preach. And if that's what God's called you to do, do it with wisdom, but stand on the street corner and do your thing. Some of you, God's called you to go door to door in your neighborhood, in this neighborhood, other neighborhood, and, and minister to the people door to door. Others of you, you've got people that you work with, neighbors, family, that God's laid on your heart and said, there's salvation, it's time. You can't, let me say this with all love, if you're a foot, don't expect a hand to act like the foot. Sometimes when we recognize what God's stirring and doing on the inside of us, we respond expecting everybody to look like hands. Not everybody's a hand. Peter and John's ministry looked different than Paul and Barnabas' ministry, but they were all very effective. I find that if you will just engage with what God's called you to do, you'll get your eyes off of judging everybody else and what they're doing, quite honestly, because you're going to be too busy doing what God's called you to do. You plant yourself in the house of the Lord. Listen to me. This is pastoral counsel, watching by home or here in person. You plant yourself in the local church. You are rooted in his house. It doesn't mean when you engage in ministry, you're now all of a sudden the first church of Veronica. Sorry, she's on the front row and easy to pick up. You plant yourself in the house of the Lord. You plant yourself in God's house and you minister. And guess what? There's a body. There's a greenhouse. There's an environment to bring those people to, to bring those who are born again and, and minister to. As you minister, you bring them into the house of the Lord. And guess what? There's a place for them to grow, to be discipled, to continue on in ministry and growth in their own lives. That's what the house of the Lord's intended to be. It's a place for us to join together and worship together and grow together and be community together. Remember how we started. The backdrop of Acts 2 
was gospel community and spirit-filled living. Here it is, friend. The backdrop of Acts chapter 3 and what we're called to do is right here. Celebration Church, spirit-empowered gospel community. Somebody shout. Yeah, go ahead. Here it is. Now go do it. <laughs> What's the commission? It's time. Go do it. Go lay hands on the sick. Go speak over those who are oppressed and discouraged. Go bring the light of the gospel. Go bring the power of God and bring them. As you minister, as you do it, what Peter and John do? He went leaping and dancing. Bring your testimony with you on Sunday. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.